0: Well, come in. Good to have you. You know, we got a lot to do today. And, and some of these topics are, you know, Brian, when we're putting the show together, it's like, oof, these are some issues. Yes. <laughs> we got some problems that we got to deal with. <laughs> you know, you got police officers just evaporating into thin air. And and you could have the leading GOP frontrunner to, to run against the. The incumbent Democrat for president that might be off the ballot. I mean, it's a wild time. It's Tongs it's absolutely of kids, wild. Sleeping together. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is going on here? Um, but I I think these are important issues. So we're going to talk about these, and, and we're certainly going to ask you to weigh in and and provide your thoughts. We're also going to talk to Mike Rogers. Um, to me, Mike Rogers is a guy that exemplifies Michigan. I'll, I'll be straight honest with you. I mean, this is somebody who has done the due diligence, was considering a run for president, has spent a lot of time in these early battleground, early caucus primary states. And I'm going to be interested to know, Brian, when you when you are a legitimate political candidate for an office like a a U.S. senator, you you know, you go around, you talk to these people. What are you taking from places like Iowa, New Hampshire, you know, the Carolinas? What are you taking from those places? And how do how does that? relate to what we're dealing with here. Right? Yeah. And this is a guy that's been in the game for a long time, cybersecurity, the whole deal. So how all of the 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 realities of people in other parts of the country, how does it compare to what people are dealing with here in the state of Michigan? Yeah. And then how does it translate?
1: Now he's got a big picture view. So that's
0: a good thing, ultimately, I would think. Yes, I think so, too. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, the leader of the UAW has issued a warning. And... Maybe not as shocking as we talked about yesterday, but this is seems to be the most concrete and, and clear he's been on these issues. And the warning is that the union plans to go on strike against any Detroit automaker that hasn't reached a new agreement by the time the current one expires, the current deal that expires next week. Sean Fain says... That the companies and the union, if they don't reach a tentative deal by the time that their contract ends on September 14th, the plan is to strike. In an interview with the AP, Fain gave an update on the progress in the negotiation saying that the union will meet tomorrow with GM on their economic demands while discuss, discussions are still underway with Ford about wage benefits, uh, wages and benefits rather. Meanwhile, you've got Stellantis, who Fain says has yet to make a counteroffer on wage and benefit demands. So, certainly a, a stall potentially with Stellantis. But if they're able to get a deal done with GM or they're able to get a deal done with Ford, and let's just say, hypothetically, yeah, whatever, whatever automaker you want to choose, you know, it's a, a game of magical cups. You, you play however you want. If one of these automakers doesn't get a deal done, then they'll strike that automaker. That's what Sean Fain's telling me. UAW is looking for a whole list of demands. We've talked about this 46% uptick in pay across the board, 32-hour work week for 40 hours of pay, uh, traditional pension hires back, union representation in new EV battery plants back, COLA back, all these things. So we'll, we'll continue to watch it. Meanwhile, Nearly 144,000 student loan borrowers in Michigan are among the currently roughly 4 million people across the United States have enrolled in new repayment plans as it pertains to their student loans. Joe Biden rolling out the new savings on a valuable education or save plan earlier this summer. U.S. Supreme Court blocked it, uh, his first attempt on the go around, and now they're trying to do away with more student loan debt. It's a it's based on how much you make. If you don't make very much money, you pay zero. If you make more money, you pay more. But these are still in jeopardy. There's issues down in the U.S. Circuit Court in the 5th, down in New Orleans, where there is a challenge on how these lo- loans were doled out to people that were defrauded by their schools. There's also a lawsuit out of Texas that is dealing with this as well. So this isn't final the thing that i find to be most unsettling for people is that they don't they don't know what they're supposed to do right these payments are going to start next month and they're expect maybe they're expecting to pay less but they're in this limbo because the president isn't however you want to look at it he's not doing things above board and so when things are open for legal challenges and interpretation Like right. Like signing an executive order and just saying, well, we're going to do away with all this debt. It doesn't work like that. And so you have people, meanwhile, that are trying to find ways to, you know, pay for groceries, pay for gas, pay for their rent, their mortgage, the whole deal. And they don't even know when they're or how much they're supposed to be paying in student loans. That's not fair.
1: It's not. And there should be it shouldn't be just forgive the loans. It should be. Let's look at the whole system. If you go to college, why should you be
0: indebted for the Agreed. rest of your life for this? Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about college, the price of college. Yeah. Can we talk about that, please? Okay. Why, why are is, all of these... Jake is five, yeah, no, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> I was crying this morning because I had to send the kid off to, to kindergarten. It was a brutal day. But uh, let me do, But I'm going to... You, you've got all these fat cats in Washington that sit there on their high horse and demean people for going, you know, well, why don't you pay your loans? I went to Harvard and I was oh yeah well you paid like five grand to go to Harvard yeah, okay
1: it was a it's forty thousand yeah.
0: dollars now and the things realistically they haven't changed that much no except the cost of education is astronomical so let's talk about that right and it, I
1: I have no issue with getting loans you know I've I have we have just talked about this a hundred times yeah you need a loan how about like a loan at like half a percent interest something very low that's realistic well there's to pay no up. juice for them then.
0: Well, but There's no meat on the bone at a half a percent. <laughs> yeah. What's that going got... to do for him? <laughs> and see, that's the thing. Just that's it's like, how
1: silly the system is. You shouldn't be looking at this as a way to, to rape the people that are coming exactly. to you. You exactly. should be,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to further our society here. We're trying yeah. to make people good workers and things that we need, like teachers and doctors.
1: But instead, you be
0: basically become an indentured servant That's to all the you banks. Are. That's all you are. And the government just comes in. We're going to... Joe Biden with his fairy wings just yeah. comes flying in waving a wand. We're just going to do all the way with it. That's not how it works, Mr. President. All right. Would you fly in a plane that was covered in vomit or feces? Not sure. What <laughs> like, like would I go- get on it or... <laughs> What is going on with these airlines? I know. (laughs) I got the story of Air Canada that threatens to put a a person on the no-fly list because they refuse to sit in a a seat that's covered in vomit for two and a half hours. (laughs) And they're like, well, there's two ways to go about this. You could either sit in the seat and we could get to our destination, or you could be forcibly removed from the plane and put on a no-fly list. Oh, the gall of her not to want to sit in somebody else's puke. <laughs> okay, there's that. Then you've got this one: this Delta flight, um, uh, on its way back to Atlanta from Spain, a uh, a uh, um a uh, a streak down the aisle of somebody who couldn't hold their uh, their 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 excrement in. What? What is what is happening here? Do you remember when people used to dress up in suits? And top hats to get on a plane? Oh yeah. I remember that. I, and now it's like sit in the puke. The,
1: sit there. Let's oh, go. Yeah, it's your cattle now And the <sighs> the one thing, yeah. The can, the Canadian one's like, yeah, why are you? Why would you ever not clean this for me? I'll just tell the you. The other that... one is like that's like my biggest fear. Like if I'm Agreed. on a plane for an eight hour flight. Oh. Like yeah, b- Spain my wife last to Atlanta. Me, I'll take a modium because it's like, no, sure. no, we're we're plugging this up because I'm not having this issue. Did over you, the atlantic did you see the video no i haven't seen the video I, I,
0: it's just somebody like walking down the aisle mm-hmm. you're right it's a big plane so there's the it's got the double aisle right sure. so they're walking down one aisle and they're just filming as they're walking and it's just this it's like a, a line of a, a, just a, a streak of brown Ugh. on the nice red carpet yeah don't clap danielle <laughs> what are you what are you insane I just, I can't believe, but I can't believe the these stories thing, are coming out like this the back The one to thing, back.
1: okay, I get, that's horrible, the the vomit, I'm not sitting in that either. This is more like, yeah, I get it, it's a terrible thing, but uh, come on, guy, you, have, you everybody's had these issues at one point, and you go, look, I apologize,
0: I tried to get there. But You know, the funny thing is, you know, it, you know it's like the airlines were like, make sure you wear a mask, because we don't want anybody to get sick with COVID-19, now look at this. It's yeah. it's the exact opposite. It's the one eighty. It's like sit in the puke, sit there.
1: See, I feel bad for the it's guy. Crazy. I feel. I, I'm more think, I, the people on the flights terrible, but that guy is like, yeah, I'm never going on in public again if this happened to me. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. Right, that's it. I can't come to work, Chris. Nope, I'm never leaving it. the house yeah, ever that's again. It.
0: That's gonna do it for me. Uh, all right, we'll take a break. There is an effort underway not only in the state of Michigan but across the country in states all around this this United States that are that are looking at the idea of Donald Trump being ineligible to run for president, being ineligible to be on the 2024 presidential ballot because of the 14th Amendment. We'll talk about it next here on JR Afternoon. So I don't know if you've seen this, but there has been some chatter that Donald Trump may be ineligible to run for president, couldn't be on the ballot in 2024 because of the 13th Amendment under Section 3 which states that no one who has, quote, engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof would be ineligible to run for office. Now, as far as I know, Donald Trump has not been found guilty of of any crime yet. Yet, and it's still possible he may. But is it too premature? To even start going down this road and is there any real validity to it because you've got law experts all across this country weighing in some people thinking that there's there's a legitimate argument to be made that the Fourteenth Amendment under Section three would 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 be a valid argument and others not so much Steve Liedl is with the Dykema Law firm and he joins us uh, to talk about this Steve it's great to have you what do you make of of these arguments that the former president would be ineligible to run based on the the idea of a of an insurrection against the government.
2: Well, I take them seriously for three reasons. One, uh, the legal issues are being raised by well-respected legal scholars on um, both sides of the political perspe- political spectrum uh, conservative, right-leaning, Federalist Society members. And other constitutional experts on the left side of the spectrum, like Professor Lawrence Tribe at Harvard, Uh, two, uh, because of the plain language of the Constitution, uh, which officials throughout the country are obligated to comply with. Uh, And three, because of past history and practice uh, and legal precedent.
0: So what is the precedent in this case or what would it be?
2: Well, we know that um, secretaries of states and other election officials are obligated when. Uh, a candidate does not meet the constitutional qualifications uh, for an office to not place a candidate on the ballot. So for example, persons have been denied access to the ballot as a presidential candidate because they aren't old enough. They don't meet the constitutional 35-year old uh, or older requirement. They're not a natural born citizen or they're running with a uh, running mate uh, who lives in the same state, and they're prohibited under the federal constitution from holding office. In all those instances, individuals have been denied access to the ballot. This is just an additional qualification uh, to hold the office. If you engage in the pro- prohibited insurrection activities, the constitution prohibits you from serving in the office and appearing on a ballot
0: so as we stand today because Donald Trump is facing charges, but he hasn't been found guilty on any of those charges as it pertains to the insurrection charge uh does that play here do, do, Does he actually need to be found guilty of a crime before this would if if indeed is is valid if would take effect?
2: Apparently no, for two reasons, or let's say three reasons. Uh, one, um, the Constitution doesn't require a criminal conviction. In other instances, in state and federal law, in constitutions and statutes, individuals may be prohibited from serving once they've been convicted of a crime. That's not the case here. That was not the original intent. Merely the act of engaging in uh, insurrection-related activities or providing aid and comfort, which may not have been a crime, is what's prohibited. That action, not a criminal conviction, there's no intervening act required. Uh, so so that's the first reason. Uh, secondly, so just to clarify, so
0: that would be like the fact that he was there the day of w- when they went into the Capitol. The fact that he was in the area, the fact that he participated in the rally would would fall under that umbrella.
2: There could be a wide range of actions. The legal scholars that have looked at this have you know, indicated his actions to encourage the vice president, for example, to acting consistent uh, with the vice president's duties under the constitution sure. could be providing aid and comfort to the insurrection. Remember mm. the president, uh, as president, took an oath to support and defend the constitution uh, and is also responsible, has a duty to faithfully execute the law. So in this context, you know, lawyers, judges looking at this have to ask the question – Did President Trump fulfill his duty to the Constitution, or was he seeking to um, support and defend the interest of Donald Trump? Was he faithfully executing the law, or was he proceeding in a manner that benefited him, notwithstanding the obligations of the law?
0: So let's say you've got secretaries of state around the country that are – maybe some are willing to make this move, some are not. What are the legal ramifications of – Perhaps some states in allowing Donald Trump to be on the ballot. And again, whether or not this is right, wrong or indifferent, I'm just making the argument if if there are some that will allow him to be on the ballot, some that won't allow him to be on the ballot. What are the legal ramifications here?
2: Well, I think you're likely to see litigation, uh, particularly if different states are uh, approaching the matter in a different and they likely will, because we don't have a federal election we have a series of, you know, 50 plus state and territorial elections uh, to select a federal president. Uh, so the processes and language that's applicable in various states do vary. Mm-hmm. So I suspect we'll we'll see a determination uh, from a federal court at some point, and folks will have the opportunity to make their case and battle it out on all the legal issues uh, in a in a court. Um, you know, most likely ultimately the Supreme Court at
0: some point. Steve Liedl joins us. Steve, it, it, we have not seen anything like this before in, in terms of the highest office in the land, uh, the president of the United States. What 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 kind you, you talked a little bit about the precedent that would allow this, but what kind of precedent would this set going forward?
2: Well, it set the precedent that folks who engage in an insurrection and a rebellion or providing aid and comfort uh, to a rebellion, if that's in fact what occurred here, uh, if that can be demonstrated, they should never hold public office in this country again. Because the people of this country, in adopting the Fourteenth Amendment, have made a decision, a long-standing decision, that folks that engage in that sort of activity are acting contrary to the interests of the country, the Constitution, and our democracy. Mm.
0: Uh, Steve Lidl, it's great stuff. It's an interesting argument that's being made, and certainly law experts are chewing on all over the country. Thank you so much for your time. appreciate it. Thank you. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Meanwhile, you've got a watchdog group out of Colorado that is suing to have Donald Trump, uh, his name, removed from the ballot. It's the Citizens for Responsible and Ethics in Washington. They filed it on behalf of six Republican and unaffiliated voters in in Colorado that include former federal, state and local officials. They allege that Donald Trump violated the oath of office by recruiting, inciting and encouraging a violent mob that attacked the Capitol on January 6th in a futile attempt to remain in office. Meanwhile, you've got Donald Trump weighing in on these discussions. Uh, He took. To Truth Social, saying almost all legal scholars have voiced opinions that the 14th Amendment has no legal basis or standing relative to the upcoming 2024 presidential election. Like election interference, it is just another trick, the president says, being used by the radical left, communists, Marxists, and fascists to steal, to again steal an election. That their candidate, the worst, most incompetent and most corrupt president in U.S. history, is incapable of winning in a free and fair election. Make America great again. So my question to you is, where are you at on this argument that Donald Trump's name would be removed from ballots, would be removed from ballots? You would not be able to vote for Donald Trump. You could write him in, but you wouldn't be able to fill in the bubble. I, 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 I am would be very interested to to see the state of our politics after a move like that. And look, it's a it's a conundrum for conservatives because conservatives value the Constitution. And if this is an amendment that you need to follow, I'd love to hear from you. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. The only problem that I really have with this argument is, you know, if I walk into a grocery store and somebody else is in the grocery store at the same time and runs out of the store with bags of stolen groceries that they didn't pay for. And when the cops get there, they question me as I walk out with my groceries that I did pay for and accuse me of stealing from the grocery store. Just because I was in the same location doesn't necessarily mean that I was the robber. Now, to me, the argument is Donald Trump can just say, I didn't do any of those things. So I'm not, I shouldn't be taken off the ballot. If there doesn't need to be a crime, if there doesn't need to be a conviction. Now, look, I am all for letting these court cases play out, play it out. You want to put them on TV, put them on TV. You better come with the goods. Because if you don't, people are going to see what this is. If, if indeed it is a farce. So Look, let the legal system play out. But if you don't need to be found guilty of a crime, if you don't need to be found guilty of an insurrection or or rebellion, whatever it is. If you don't actually need to be found guilty on it, then what are we talking about here necessarily to me? Then that's sour grapes. Then you're dealing with Democratic secretary of states that don't want Donald Trump to be on the ballot. And I think then you could start looking at Donald Trump and saying, yeah, that might be election interference. But to for, for legal experts, quote unquote, to just put out there that, well, it's you don't need to, you know, th- this is a legitimate option and you don't need to be found guilty of a crime, that that to me is a little more troublesome. That to me is a little more, you know, there, there's a little more, there's a hole in the bottom of the boat. It's not going down quick, but there's a slow leak. 800-859-0957, let's kick it off in Canton with John. What's up, John?
3: Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. You got it. Uh, What I want to say is, and I'm kind of down the middle with this, is I don't often hear too much of the narrative as far as his position in defending the Constitution and not so much in a personal manner, the way I feel the leaning left and legal experts are saying or claiming that he is defending the Constitution as far as the right of the president to still be in office on the people who voted for him. Now, if he would have threw his hands up, and just one about what the the results were. This half the country that's saying, why didn't you fulfill your oath to the Constitution, defend our vote for you, that we still feel that you are going to be in office. I don't still I don't seem to hear the narrative that is often pushed. It's often just him for the personal gain of himself and trying to overthrow the Constitution. But not so much what he still claims to this day is he he did it to the person he truly feels that the election. With all the the obscurities that happened in days and weeks before it, that he really t- truly felt it was it was not correct, and he wanted you know more investigation into it. Yeah, it didn't see, that much.
0: And I think that the 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 line there is that while Donald Trump and maybe the people that were closest to him were were peddling this idea that the election was stolen, you've got other you got everybody else. That says it wasn't. I mean, you have his attorney general saying that there's no proof of widespread election fraud. You've got all of these affidavits that courts looked at that didn't go anywhere because they weren't credible. And so, I, I mean, there is a line to walk there. But for for Donald Trump to say, "Well, hey, uh, y- you know, VP, I need you to I need you to just not 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 qualify these uh, these electors. We're not going to do it." That's a that's an issue if everybody if if every of if if all of these folks that Donald Trump once trusted were telling him that there was no widespread election fraud. Donald Trump still went down that road. But it's not even that. It's under the 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 14th Amendment Section 3 that says if you engage in an insurrection, you're out, you're not eligible Donald Trump wasn't in the, the 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 U.S. Capitol building. Donald Trump wasn't actively engaging in an insurrection, if you want to call it that. Donald Trump wasn't there. So I think that's the, you want to talk about a fine line, that's the fine line. If you start in mass taking Donald Trump off the ballot today, like if you make that decision today that's premature, and I don't think that's right, but if you let these hearings play out, Donald Trump gets found guilty on X, Y, and Z, trying to overturn the election in Georgia, all the in January 6th, the whole deal. Fine, we can have that conversation. But as we stand today, these conversations seem premature to me, and I, 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 I don't like it today. And I think, you know, there's this, been a, there's been a challenge here in Michigan where Jocelyn Benson is considering it. She hasn't said one way or the other. She's not making action on it now. But she is considering it like many states are around the country. John's in Rochester. What's up, John?
4: First of all, Chris, you're not guilty of robbing the grocery store.
0: I agree. Second of all,
4: uh, the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment lists five types of people who could be forbidden from running for office in the United States. Here is the exact language. Okay senators, congressmen, presidential electors, state legislators, and civil or military officers who fought in the Civil War against the United States. Even if it applied to all elected people, there's one... One office that is not mentioned. Again, if Donald Trump had been a senator, a congressman, a presidential elector, a state legislator, or a civil or military officer who took an oath to the United States, then we might be talking about it. But the third, Section 3 of the 14th, specifically omits the president. So
0: the, okay. the, the, the the what I'm reading is no person shall be a senator or representative of Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States.
4: Okay, in the list, tell me where you found the word or where you read president.
0: Senator, representative in Congress. I'm reading you what I'm reading. John, I'm just going to read you what I'm reading. Senator, representative in Congress, or elector of president and vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States, or in any state.
4: The president, in a case 10 years ago by the Supreme Court, ruled on this issue. Is the president an officer of the United States, and they ruled no.
0: Okay. All right, John. Thank you. I appreciate the call. Doug's in Lakeville. What's up, Dougie? Hey, I just
5: to be uh, full disclosure here, mm-hmm. I am a Democrat. Okay. I did not vote for Trump, and I never would. Okay. But, you know, one thing that he is guilty of is providing aid and comfort to the people that were just convicted and sentenced to prison. The old keeper... Leaders and the Proud Boy leaders. Pre- Trump has said he will pay their legal fees and he'll pardon them. He'll look at pardoning them if he, when he's elected. That's providing aid and comfort.
0: Well, he hasn't provided aid and comfort. He hasn't up until this saying, point.
5: Saying.
0: Well, but that that's not the same as doing.
5: Is providing Comfort. Those those guys, I don't know which one of them said that. Yeah, Trump will pardon us when when he's elected. I think it was. I don't. I'm I'm sorry. I don't remember the name of the guy. He had yeah, the yeah. beard and glasses yeah, yeah. and. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trump's going to pardon us. He's provided aid and comfort.
0: All right, Doug. Well, look, I, I appreciate the call. I I, I just think, look, I, the, and this is where the conversation sits. I think with a lot of people. Whether you're at home eating dinner with your wife, your husband, whomever it is, I think these are the conversations that people are having. And I think that this could get really hairy if these actions are taken, and I, I think we could reach a, a new level of politics here in this country. 800 957 We're going to talk to Mike Rogers, who has made a big announcement about his future in politics. We'll do that next here on JR Afternoon. Well, after some time testing the waters out there, former Michigan congressman, former head of the House Intel Committee, Mike Rogers has decided what his political future will be, and it is to run for U.S. Senate here in the state of Michigan. Mike Rogers joins us. Mike, it's great to have you. Congrats on the news.
6: Hey, Chris, thank you very much. Uh, we are very, very excited and had such a great response, more than we expected. So thank you.
0: H- how'd you get here?
6: You know, we, my wife and I, got, mm, I don't know, two years ago, thought maybe we could help change the, the political narrative and conversation to a more solutions-oriented you know we're we're traditional conservatives and we thought hey listen the best way to handle problems is actually offer solutions and work your way through them and we have some great ones uh conservative solutions and so we went around the country had dialogue and what we were finding is people were really interested in the message um and when we were wrapping it up we did kick a little tires around the country and realized hey listen this is probably not the you know the right time for this um, but the on-the-ground messaging was really, really good. I mean, people were really responding to it, and we thought, well, it is too important to walk away from. The state of Michigan is absolutely on the wrong track. I mean, just it, we spent time here talking to you know hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, and they're all same message. Hey, man, this thing is on the wrong track, going the wrong way for all the wrong reasons, uh, and people were politically discouraged. And we thought, you know what? Let's take the message that we've been talking about for a solutions-based, positive, conservative agenda, uh, and uh, we'll, let's take that and drive it right to the United States Senate, so we can get some things done. And that's how we got
0: here. So, when you were talking to to people in these early caucus and primary states like Iowa, New Hampshire, what were you hearing from them? And then, and then, how does that translate to what you're hearing in Michigan? Are are they a lot of the same issues? Are they a lot of the same concerns? Are they a lot of the same priorities for people? And, and how, how do you then take that message to Washington?
6: So, yes, it's surprisingly, I mean, listen, when, you're, when your grocery cart costs you $700 more per month than it's it crazy. did before it's crazy. Uh, Biden became president. Right. It's, it's nuts. And two-thirds of Americans, Michiganders too – Uh, are living paycheck to paycheck think of that that means they don't get a paycheck next month or in two weeks you know they got a problem right uh and so few americans it's uh it's uh, like 40 percent of americans can't even handle a 400 dollars emergency meaning they're just there are they're running on fumes and so inflation is eating up your paycheck it's it's costing you more money My, my Sister-in-law is a great one. She says, you know, listen, this is how I knew it was impacting us. She goes, I used to put $200 worth of groceries in the cart, and I couldn't see the bottom. Now I put $200 worth of groceries in the cart, and I can see the wheels Mm -hmm. going down the aisle. And she said, it's just a huge difference. And when I talk to people all over the state, they're having the same problems. Gas. Uh, New homeowners can't quite get in. Every time the inflation uh, or the uh, interest rates go up, they're out of whack. People know that their education system is failing our kids and it's serious china's teaching the their eighth graders quantum mechanics and half of our high school seniors last year couldn't read past the sixth grade level that's an epidemic and we have china breathing down our neck if we don't get our act together on all of these things we're going to be in trouble now the good news is chris and this is why i'm doing this i have the experience to get us back on track my army experience my fbi organized crime experience my uh... You know, running the the intelligence committee in Washington D.C. over the 17 intelligence agencies, and my private sector experience the last few years in cybersecurity, all bodes us well. For on day one, we can start working on these issues and get some fixes and build uh, coalitions to get her, get her done.
0: You know, you you and I have been talking for a, a quite some time about the threat right. of China, and obviously, you and your your counterintelligence background. I think is really valuable in a time when we're seeing an uptick in cyber crimes. We're seeing an uptick in in China, even being involved in in military systems here in the United States. It it is a scary time for this type of technology to really rear its ugly head, Uh, aside from the economic stuff, which is 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 important to people and education and all of those kind of issues. What is what is the main thing that you think needs to be addressed and, and, and the thing that Michigan can benefit from the most?
6: Well, I'll tell you the, the thing that really is important when it comes to national security and why Michigan needs to absolutely be a part of this. Is any time that we're trying to invest in businesses that uh, advantage the Chinese Communist Party uh, like mandating electric cars where eighty five percent of the components come from China, right? That's a loser for us. It's a loser for the thirty thousand UAW workers in our state uh, and it's a loser for our national security. Michigan used to build a big part of the arsenal of democracy. We have to retool. If we're going to meet the challenges of a larger Chinese Navy than ours, and they have one, a larger army than ours, and they have one, uh, them uh, coming after us in space, they've militarized space, and they have uh, just been ravaging us in cyberspace, if we're going to stand up to that challenge – and we will – uh, Michigan needs to be a big part of that because we're going to have to revamp. We're going to build things as a part of the arsenal democracy here. But it won't happen if you don't have somebody paying attention to it and promoting Michigan to that end. And I'm the guy to do it, and I understand how to do it. And That's why it's so important. Uh, and I'm going to be effective on that on day one because I can pick up the phone and have those conversations right away, which is great. And so that is huge. And the other piece of this is our education. Hmm. China is kicking our backsides on uh, educating their kids versus what would happen. When, when, when
0: you were in studio with me and we were talking about TikTok and and what they show over there is, is steam and math and engineering and what we see here is silly cat videos, that's damaging.
6: Oh, it's hugely damaging. And here's the other thing. I, I think social media and I think our adversaries are playing a contributing role in this. Uh, are convincing our kids that their life isn't any good, America isn't any good, and oh, by the way, you know maybe not even worth going on, 10%. Think of this number. This is mental distress on a generation I, I don't know if we've ever seen in our history. 10% of, of teenage girls attempted suicide in 2021. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in for a minute. 10% attempted suicide. 30% thought about it. Those numbers are off the charts. And so if we don't start having the courage to talk about these things and say, okay, wait a minute, maybe the social media companies are going to have to change the way they do business targeting our children. Uh, And by the way… Quit doing social engineering in school and start getting back to, as my father says, the three R's: reading, writing, and arithmetic. <laughs> we need to focus on this like a laser. Get our kids reading. Imagine that we're graduating every senior class in the last decade can't read past the sixth grade. It's crazy.
0: It's unacceptable. That's it's unacceptable. No, oh, it is what it is. <laughs>
6: And we don't talk about it, and everybody walks by the, you know, whistles by the graveyard. Yeah. But we are creating a generation after a generation of Americans that won't be able to compete with the Chinese. And best what? They're going to cheat. They're going to lie. And they're going to steal to get the the economics of the United States transferred to them. And I, we need to do everything we can to prevent
0: it. I got thirty seconds left here. You left politics. You left Washington D.C because you thought it was too it was too overtly political people were only looking out for themselves and not for their constituents why is now the time to get back i got 10 seconds
6: well listen i sometimes when opportunity and capability meets up and responsibility you have to do it i believe now's the time to have honest conversations i think michiganders and Amer- uh, are going to respond to this and i'm going to work to earn their trust to be that voice in in the senate and guess what we haven't had an honest voice in the Senate for a very long time, bringing up the issues that are uncomfortable to talk about but need to be fixed.
0: Mike Rogers, good to talk with you. We'll talk again soon. Welcome back, 3 o'clock hour. Good to have you. By the way, we got American Speed Festival tickets for you coming up at 348. It's going to be out at the M1 Concourse September 28th through October 1st. It's an awesome event. Uh, So we'll give you an opportunity to win those tickets coming up at 348. We got... Look, we, we are... Brian, I know you're very excited. Tomorrow, big day for you. Big day for you. Lions k- kick off the NFL <laughs> season in Kansas City against the Chiefs. Very excited. Do, do you? I I think that we should do. We really what we should do is we should do a sports <laughs> segment with you where you're just giving us picks. You don't know anything about any of it. No, I don't. Which which could be fun. This is a uh, Mike Parsons
1: uh, favorite. He always wants to do a show. Me and him, he wants to call it Mort on sports because, you knows I know nothing about sports. I
0: think it would be fun. I don't think we should just poo-poo it. I think that we should have some legitimate conversations about this. <laughs> if we get it sponsored. I'm just saying. We get it sponsored by Delta, maybe. <laughs> I wasn't going to do this again. but Speaking of poo-poo. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah
1: the, that, the, and that's what it would be if
0: I'm talking sports. <laughs> it could be great. Like Brian, the line is three and a half. What do you think? And you're like, oh, I don't know, three and a half to what? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm, this is what I, it's gold, It's called Jerry. <laughs> um, yeah. So you got this Delta flight. And look, this isn't like an indictment on the airlines. Like I don't think oh God, like no. No, no. it's like an airline problem. But I think that there, you know, you you work any job, and you get stressed. Right in this in our business, the 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 arguments that we have when because we're trying to find a, a good show, a good topic, all those things. So we talk, we fight, all those things. But mm-hmm. like, you're working on a you're a, a stewardess or or a flight attendant on an airline. It can be a an intense job, right? You're on a plane for eight hours and you're serving a whole boatload of people. It's a it can be stressful. So like the fact that like this Delta flight, somebody like made a a mess of themselves, number two-wise, down the aisle. And they're like, what are you going to do? Like, that's a problem. And this Air Canada flight where one of their travelers, uh, they got to their seat and somebody had, uh, had thrown up their lunch all over the seat. And the directive from the pilot was that you have two options. You either sit in the seat and we can get on our way or... You could be forcibly removed from the plane and put on a no-fly list, all for not wanting to sit and vomit. How dare they?
1: See, that's two different things to me. The the sitting and in, in somebody's uh, vomit is like, no, you could fix that real easily. We'll get the cleaner back on the plane. We'll clean the seat and then we'll move on. I know it's gonna we're gonna be delayed, but you come on. <laughs> the other one is I, is some poor guy had an accident and it's like you know, I'm sure. I don't think he got on the plane going, well, I'll just do this in the uh, aisle way. That'll I'm be I'm going to just paint a landing strip and down I, the aisle. I, you feel bad for him and all the people. And, sure. of course, they had to turn it around. It's like, well, we could continue on like this. Like, no, no, I'd, I'd rather go back, please. <laughs> it's just
0: wild. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's absolutely wild. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the UAW has issued a warning that if they don't reach a tentative agreement with any of these automakers, the big three, they're going to strike. If they reach a deal with one of them, they'll strike the other two. If they reach a deal with two of them, they'll strike the other one. This deal ends September 14th. What is that, a, a Monday?
1: It's a Friday. A Friday. It's, a
0: Friday. it's a Friday.
1: It's a week from Friday.
0: A week from tomorrow. A week from two days from now. Yeah, so they got about 10 The Labor Day days. screwed me all up. So you got about 10 days. And if if they don't get a, a tentative deal reached, they're going to strike. Um. And that could be, it's, it's obviously a problem. We, we've talked about it, but they, they're asking for a whole lot. And and even Sean Fain said in, the, in this interview that I read with AP, like, you enter negotiations knowing that you're not going to get everything you want, knowing that you're not going to get 100% of what you're asking for, which is good. It's good. But if if these conversations are starting off at, a, at too lofty of a level, Well, that makes the ongoing discussions more difficult. And Sean Fain uh, gave us a a, a glimpse into these discussions, saying that they're going to meet with GM tomorrow. They're going to meet with Ford uh, as well. And uh, uh, Stellantis has not yet made a counteroffer to their offer on these economic demands. So... it doesn't feel like we're close yet, but we still got time. We still got some days ahead of us. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. 957 In the meantime, we're talking about this 14th Amendment, Section 3, that legal experts have been bandying about, saying that that would disqualify Donald Trump from running for president. Dave's in Rochester. He's got some thoughts. Dave, I appreciate you hanging on, bud. What can I do for you?
7: Hey, Chris, I like to call it audible at the line, if I may. Um. Rather than talking about Enrico uh, Terrio, who just got 22 years, he wasn't there at the Capitol. Or rather, he wasn't there. He was the ringleader. The ringleader above him was uh, on the TV watching it, giving directions to his tweet like Mike Pence just at the pivotal moment. I'm going to want to talk about that. I want to talk about Mike Rogers. Okay. Uh, okay. Mike Rogers ended are talking about education. Okay. He should, he should get an education on what he started to talk about as far as making statements that paychecks have not kept up with inflation. I don't care if you take from the pre-pandemic heyday or exactly when from Biden took over January 2021. It's a simple it's a simple thing an elementary student could figure out. You figure out, okay, what is the inflation rate? You index the divide. It's a simple division. You look at all these measures, whether it's the hourly rate, Social Security uh, beneficiaries, uh, people's uh, consumption per capita, median wage, average wage, lower levels—under no basis has the wage the wages not kept up with the same period inflation. So his whole premise that he started with was, "Oh my God, look at this terrible economy."
0: So, I so heard- Dave, you you're saying that wages have kept up with inflation?
7: Well, no. Wages have easily exceeded inflation. It's a simple measure. It takes two minutes to gain... Then why are why are people
0: gas. struggling to buy groceries and pay for gas?
7: That's true because they've always been struggling. The gas went up a certain amount more. Other things went down. Okay? Do you take that's why they have a, a homogenized average? A total. A oh, no, that's total, fair. That, that's
0: fair. I, 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 You know who doesn't agree with you? The UAW doesn't agree with you. The UAW says that their wages have not kept up with inflation.
7: Well, well, guess what? The UAW is right.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) wait, you just... Wait, 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 wait. but you said wages have exceeded inflation.
7: On average, when we talk about anything, of course you can't go through H-330 three hundred. Well, Dave, I don't know what we're talking about here. I mean, look, this is what Mike
0: Rogers said. Look, I I appreciate it. I got to move on, but you just said both things. Davidson Rock uh, Redford, what's up, David?
7: Uh, hi, thanks for taking my call. You got it. Uh, in all the uh, insurrection talk, mm-hmm. I have yet to hear anybody reference the March 1954 attack on the House of Rep- House of Representatives by Puerto Rican nationalists, where they shot up shot up the floor mm-hmm. of the House of Representatives and wounded five people they were ultimately convicted of you know whatever they were convicted of i have yet here to hear anybody reference that in me shooting up the floor of the house of representatives is a little bit of insurrection okay and i just find it fascinating that nobody remembers this event
0: well, David, what does this have to do? They're not running for office like they didn't run for office. So what, what I mean, no, how does that then per, how does that correlate to what Donald Trump is potentially going through?
7: Um, I was I honestly I don't know.
0: Yeah, OK. And then and, and look, I, I don't I don't I mean, look, it, it, that was also awful. <laughs> I mean, right. But. But in terms of what the 14th Amendment Section three represents and, and whether or not you can consider Donald Trump as a quote unquote insurrectionist, I think that's up for an interpretation. Donald Trump has not been convicted of any crimes. He hasn't. And whether or not that's a precursor for his ineligibility to run for president, I guess, can be debated. But at the end of the day. I think when you start really considering taking the leading GOP vote getter, the Leo, the leading GOP fundraiser and removing him off the ballot as we stand today, I think it's premature. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. 957 We are seeing a, a, a stark decrease in police, not only since the pandemic or since 2020. We are seeing it. Even now, today, over things like pay, it is a huge problem. How big of an issue is it? We'll talk about it next on JR Afternoon with Chris Renwick. You know, I told you a couple of weeks ago about this story out of Goodyear, Minnesota. A little town, 1,300 people, and they don't have a police department anymore. The chief just resigned. And and they said that they were getting, they, were, they weren't being paid enough you could you could go to a nearby McDonald's and get paid more for for a a line of work that puts people in danger that is incredibly um it, you, you don't know what your day holds for you and that's a, that's a scary situation to be in now it's also very rewarding police officers that I've talked to love the job because it is a rewarding job it is a it is a Helpful job, and it can be a thankless job. And sometimes you don't make enough money. And whether you live in a small town or a big area, police officers around the country are facing issues. They're facing challenges. They're facing, you know, a lack of funding. And all of those, for all of those reasons, it becomes more difficult to recruit and more difficult to retain police in a lot of places across the country. How big of an issue is it really? Mark Diaz is the lead recruiter with the Wayne County Sheriff's Office, and he joins us. Mark, it's great to have you. I can't imagine that you face a lot of the same issues that maybe some of these really small little rural communities face. Um, But you've got small communities in Macomb County, too. I, I have to imagine, in a nutshell, you probably see some of this.
8: Without a doubt. Uh, So actually I'm here in Wayne County and uh, I'll I'll tell you it's the issue with recruiting isn't unique to just Wayne County or Macomb or anywhere in the state of Michigan for that matter. My friends throughout the nation in the law enforcement community, um, they report back to me essentially the same situation that we're facing here in Wayne County with respect to uh, recruiting. Now keeping things in perspective, I will say, as you and I are having this conversation so far this year, we've had well over 500 people who have applied, Mm. but the different, who've applied for a position with the Wayne County Sheriff's office, but to become a police officer has certain requirements and standards that are set in place that they just don't allow for a candidate to come in with their resume and have a quick interview and Hey, you start next Monday. Now we have to conduct a, um, a thorough background investigation, and that can sometimes take more than a month. Sometimes it can take two months. It just depends on you know the the nature of an individual's background. So to that effect, it's not where it's not a situation where a person who is considering a career in law enforcement can expect to start next week. They you know the week after they apply. So that in and of itself can be um, a detractor. From uh, an individual looking for a career in law enforcement, and you hit the nail on the head. You know, with respect to your friends you've spoken with in the law enforcement community, it is an incredibly rewarding career. i I've been doing it for 30 years, and I can mm-hmm. tell you, I I can't imagine doing anything else. It ever no two days are ever the same, and uh, it's uh in the reward of you know, being able to help people in you know in their time of need and their their time of crisis it's just, it's, it's just such a great career. So it's unfortunate that we, you know, that we do have a long, um, and and the background investigation phase of, you know, to hire into any law enforcement agency. It's unfortunate that it is as long as it is, but on that same note, as a citizen also of the community, I am glad to know that we are, that law enforcement agencies conduct extensive background investigations to make sure we're going to put the, the, the trust of being a law enforcement officer in the hands of those who can be trusted.
0: Mark Diaz, the lead recruiter with the Wayne County Sheriff's Office. I apologize. I'm sorry, Mark, for my misstep. Um, talk to me about the difficulties, whether it's around funding or whether it's around the issues of of some of the the, the more heinous acts that we've we've seen police partake in across the country. Is it is it hard from a recruitment perspective to sell the profession today more than it was a dozen years ago, 10 years ago? Because it, it it feels like, you know, this is this is one of the jobs that we need. Like we need doctors, we need teachers, we need police officers and firefighters. These are necessities that we need to keep a, a, a safe and just society, community. How difficult is it now to sell this as a profession than it was a decade ago?
8: Well, I can't really speak specifically with respect to, you know, a decade ago in the recruiting world, only to say that I can tell you that a decade ago, there was a long list of people who were waiting for an opportunity to start a police academy. I mean, you know, you know, agencies had 200 people just waiting to start, who were already through the whole uh, the hiring phase. They're just waiting to start. Where that has changed, and one of the variables that I personally uh, attribute to that um, that change has been the the world of law enforcement in in hiring um, in mass, if you will. It's rather cyclical. It's almost on a thirty-year cycle, hmm. where after thirty years, a lot of our officers—and this isn't just unique, obviously—again, that not here, not just here in, in Wayne County, but throughout the entire nation. It, it's it, roughly about every thirty years, we have a lot of officers who are they're eligible, and it's their time to retire, sure. and they choose to do so, which exacerbates the the issue of of, of staffing. So you, you'll see a lot of law enforcement agencies are, in fact, um, hiring en masse. So, you know, I can, I can attribute it to that in part. And you mentioned earlier, you know, the, you know, the acts of corruption that we, that we hear about and not just the media. You know, we, we hear about it just speaking with, with friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, these are matters that I can tell you as a law enforcement officer, there is one thing a good cop cannot stand. That's a bad cop. And, you know, looking at the, um, you know, the, the results of studies that are you know, confirmed and who are these, you know, how many, how many of these cops are bad. And, you know, when I, I reflect back on a, um, a study that was conducted by the Cato Institute um, regarding national police uh, misconduct. And that study it was out of the uh, California Innocence Project. And that study revealed that 1%, 1% of law enforcement officers are guilty of sustained police misconduct Mm -hmm. but because we hold ourselves and rightfully so we hold ourselves and our law enforcement officers to the highest standard when that one percent does something outside of the lines or engages in an act of corruption it is a big deal yeah it feels bigger than just one percent but you know i can tell you as a a law enforcement officer of 30 years i mean this as true as we're speaking it's too much that in and of itself is too much. And so sure. when when speaking with those who may be interested in a career in law enforcement, the, you know, we make a, Sheriff Washington is big on this, be the change that one, that 99% of law enforcement can't stand that 1%. Well, you know what? Join us. Let's get rid of that 1%. Let's have a perfect agency.
0: And of course, when, again, you don't deal with it as much, but, but the the pay scale for a lot of these smaller, you know, Smaller communities we like this this place out of Minnesota where you 're dealing with thirteen hundred people, we certainly have those kind of communities in the state of Michigan. We certainly have those kind of communities even in southeast Michigan. But when you deal with with the safety and security of communities it 's vitally important to have that police force, whether it 's only you know a handful of officers in a small community or not, that is something, and that puts more strain than on the bigger agencies like the county, at the county level where you're at. Um, in terms of just if if you were to gaze into your crystal ball and look at these 30-year cycles, i got about 30 seconds left here. Where do you see the future of policing in the next five years even, in the near future?
8: Well, I can tell you right now that I'm looking into the crystal ball as we speak, and uh, and that crystal ball is clear, especially, if, for example, here in Wayne County. Yeah, we mentioned the smaller municipalities who may not have deep uh, deep pockets with respect to their budgets, concerned um, in the world of law enforcement. But Wayne County has experienced its share of setbacks, sure. uh, budgetary constraints in the past. And you know, Sheriff Warren, uh, Sheriff uh, Washington has been working with Sheriff, I'm sorry, with former Sheriff <laughs> Warren Evans, and they have been very successful in coming to terms with the uh, collective bargaining uh, unit sure. that represents our sheriff's deputies, to improve on that. And I see that as a great signal to the nation and, uh, and the citizenry of not just one county, but throughout yep. the nation, that you got to, we're going to have to pay to ensure sure. we get Well, the and it's a,
0: it's a good sign that those officers are wanting to join the force. Mark Diaz, thank you so much. Got to take a break. All right, good to have you back. We got American Speed Festival tickets coming up for you at 3.48. Uh, In the meantime, I told you uh, today was Jake's first full day of kindergarten. A day full of tears for dad. And, you know, this is a crazy time. So now everything's on the app, right? There's all kinds of apps. So, like, I have one app that the teacher uses, and she sent us pictures today already of the kids. That's cool. That's nice. And then there's another app mm-hmm. that alerts you that like it's like a tracker on your kid. Like it like I just got an alert that said, uh Jake's been loaded on the bus. <laughs> Which is why wi- I mean it's wild. That is wild. That's nice though. It is nice. It's gotta give you a little peace of mind. You it's know. peace of mind, but it's it it's a little big brothery, isn't it? It's a little, it's a little much. Now I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Like it's fine, but if you really kind of strip it down, it's a lot. Well, if you strip it down, of course it is. It's, but it's, at the same time, it's a little it's like, excessive. You know, it's, it's,
9: it's like my mom as a kid. You're dad. Like ah,
0: you're in school. Oh yeah, fine, great. Now but, it's like, oh, they read a book today. Well but oh, that's it, amazing. In the back in those days, mom was probably
1: home when you got home from school because mom didn't really have to have a job. Yeah. Now mom and dad both have to have jobs.
0: My so mom had a job.
1: And, well, my mom did too. Yeah. But, and I was a latchkey kid, but at the same time, it probably would have been nicer for her to that's know. That's where that we you were picked up some of your bad trouble. habits. Absolutely. That's
0: where now we know. There was endless trouble. That's going why on Brian between keeps me asking brother. me to play dice with him. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, I gotta get ready for a show. <laughs> um are you into the uh, pumpkin spiced? variety of food or drink
1: i am not i like pumpkin pie and i like pumpkin bread
0: that's about it
1: pumpkin doesn't go in coffee
0: okay well does it go in a frosty no because wendy's is rolling out a new pumpkin spiced frosty Eh, no danielle are you into that pumpkin spice frosty from wendy's i'm into nothing that's pumpkin spice really no wow unless it's pumpkin right yeah. That makes sense. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin bread. Yeah, I'm not into it. I don't want any part of it. Uh, but like there are those there are people out there that are going to gravitate towards. There are this.
1: pumpkin spiced Oreos I saw yesterday.
0: I had them. Oh. They are not good. <laughs> they are not good. I believe that. Don't go for it. I don't want anything pumpkin that isn't yeah, pumpkin pie. Right. I don't know. It's, it it, it is a thing. The people right now. are
1: crazy for it. It's everywhere.
0: Yeah, I, I changed my mind. I would eat like a pumpkin soup, like a gazpacho. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so it's got to be cold. I, I, yeah, I don't think I would even eat a pumpkin soup. I don't even like pumpkin seeds. Oh, I really? Do. No, it's not my thing. Mm. But that's okay. Um, California Governor Gavin Newsom. Signing an executive order to study, develop the use and risks of generative artificial intelligence in the state of California. The order includes directives to state agencies and departments to perform a joint analysis on the risk of AI that it poses to California's energy infrastructure. Issue guidelines for public sector procurement of generative AI based on White House and National Institute of Standards and Technology, issued guidelines and provide AI training for state government workers and develop a framework to analyze generative AI's impact on vulnerable communities. I'm at a loss as to what Gavin Newsom is doing in California. I I feel like there's a fishbowl in his office filled with folded up pieces of paper. And he just pulls things out and and does them. I I don't, look, you know how I feel about AI. You know how I feel about generative AI. That's the one that really scares me.
1: It just makes me feel like he's trying to get a handle on it before. And I, and seeing him do it makes me wonder now what other governors will try to get a handle on this too. And getting a handle on this, probably get ahead
0: of this is probably the smart thinking, I think. I mean, I get it. But, like, what? we're not at the point, I don't think, where, I mean, are you going to feel comfortable if Gretchen Whitmer comes out tomorrow and says, we're going to institute AI technologies in our, in our Secretary of State or in our whatever it, 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 as part of our state operations? I mean, we're just not there yet. No. Like, we could be very soon, but we're not there yet. But if we're trying to guide it. As we're doing it, it's not just going, hey,
1: guys, use A.I. It's like, here's how we're going to do this to sort of instead of just saying, hey, guys, use A.I. See you later They're Here's how I want you to use their trying. It feels like he's trying to guide the use of this. Of here's, yeah, how could we'll, be. I, here's how we should be doing this.
0: It, it doesn't feel particularly um, organized. Yeah, maybe not. It, it doesn't I mean, feel like it's like there's any real. Uh, direction here for this. Yeah. It's just like, it, it, to me, it feels very buzzy. Like it's buzzwords. Like Gavin Newsom's like, we're going to look into AI and everyone's going to be like, woo, good job. And nobody really knows what's happening. Like there's really no, there's no like, you know, framework here. Yeah. Well, let's look, yeah, in, it's let's look into this. It's a good story. Let's look into it a little deeper. Um. So you've got Mike Rogers running for, for Senate and, and, and To me, Mike Rogers catapults to the top of those on the right side of the aisle running for Debbie seat. This is a guy who has extensive experience in the FBI. This is a guy who has extensive experience on Capitol Hill. This is a guy who chaired the House Intelligence Committee, spent a lot of his years post-politics in cybersecurity. I think to me... Mike Rogers catapults to the top of the Republicans who are running for that job. Now on the other side, you've got Alyssa Slotkin. She kind of remains the prohibitive favorite to land that during the primaries. But, but you could be looking at a Slotkin Rogers ticket where or ticket ballot where you've got to make a decision between, you know, some people look at Mike Rogers as a, Kind of an old school conservative where very principled, takes a, a, a hard line stance on a number of issues and doesn't really waver just because he's a conservative. And he left politics the first time. And this is what I asked him. And by the way, if you miss any of our interviews, the dot com, they're there for you. But, you know, I, I asked him a little bit just briefly about, you know, he left politics the first time because it was it was. Identity politics and people were just out for themselves. They weren't looking out for their constituency. It was it was just a lot of self-promotion. And it, to me, it's worse right now. It's it, it is vastly worse. And and that is a really interesting, I think, dichotomy from when he left to now, when he was in Iowa, when he was in New Hampshire, when he was in Michigan, when he was You know, down in South Carolina, when you make those trips to talk to people, because at first he was exploring a presidential run. So when you make all those trips to those to those states that hold a lot of weight, that really can sway your political future when you're talking about a presidency, when you go to those places and you say, I'm hearing the same stuff in New Hampshire that I'm hearing in Michigan, or I'm hearing the same stuff in Iowa that I'm hearing in Grand Rapids, whatever it is, the fact that they all tie together, the fact that everybody's on the same page around the country uh, about the the future and where they want to take it and where they want to see it, I, I find it very interesting. So for me, Mike Rogers catapults to the top. He's going to be the prohibited favorite on the GOP side. And when you look at who is running for that spot, it might be a good thing he hops in the race. All right, we got to take a break. We are on the the cusp of the NFL football season. It's very exciting. Lions in action, opening up the season tomorrow night in Kansas City. We'll talk about it with Steve Courtney coming up. All right, three forty eight. Let's give away these tickets. The American Speed Festival, back and better than ever, September twenty eighth through October first at the M one Concourse in Pontiac. Look, it's just going to showcase the best renowned brands in automotive performance history. Everything from vintage indie cars to historic stock cars and even modern day supercars. Look, it's a very exciting event and it's a rare opportunity to see cars from all different eras perform on the one and a half mile speed ring at the M1 Concourse. So be caller number nine now at 800 859 0957. 800 859 0WJR. Pair of tickets to the M1 American Speed Festival, and you, you need a little extra chance to win, text the word SPEED to 800-859-0957. Official rules can be found at WJR.com. And to learn more about M1 Concourse's American Speed Festival, head on over to M1Concourse.com. Stephen. Chris. We are, we're, we're here. It's it's time. We we are. Finally, We're, yeah. we're not, we're 27 hours away.
9: Um, And it seems like we have been talking Lions and Chiefs literally for months. Yeah. uh, Since the schedule came out. And I'm ready to tee it up.
0: Yeah, me too. Let's Uh, take care of some business.
9: All right. This conversation brought to you by Cruise and Tour and, of course, the WJR Travel Club. Experience Extraordinary. You're invited to join me, Steve Courtney, for the first WJR Travel Club football flyaway, December 2nd through the 4th, as our boys in Honolulu Blue and Silver Battle it out in New Orleans for game 12. Hurry, space is limited. Don't miss this incredible football experience. Visit WJRTravelClub.com today for details. That's WJRTravelClub.com. A perfect Christmas gift, if I can just point that out, for the Lions fan in your life. And what a bash that's going to be.
0: It's going to be very fun. I digress. I think you're going to have a good time.
9: I know. (laughs) Get (laughs) out. It's uh, it's just incredible. So
0: anyway, yeah. let's uh, talk lions. So here's here's the thing. Like I have been, I have been uh, the, the 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 conductor of the hype train. I'm I'm bought and sold. I'm done. Like I am ditto. ready
9: to roll. Ditto. And uh, you know what, Chris? I've I've got you by a few years. Um, and uh, look, long time suffering lions fan of late. We all have been. Yeah. And so when this opportunity comes around, um, and for many, uh, this is a generational excitement. Uh, because I think yeah. uh, to have legitimate uh, championship hopes, you go back to when Barry was here. Uh, I've talked to Lomas about mm-hmm. it, Lomas Brown. And um, that's pretty much on point. So now what we have here is a legitimate hype train. There's so much Kool-Aid going. And it's just not in the state of Michigan. I mean, there's some lions love going on throughout the nation. Yeah, going into this Chiefs tilt,
0: Br- Brian doesn't even like sports. He got his blood drawn and it came out blue. I oh, mean, th- right. that's how pervasive this is.
9: Well, that's also the seventh sign. It's going to start <laughs> running tuna.
0: Here's here's the other part in this. Like, I I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I think we need to be careful. Of course. But I was I I was daydreaming about this the other day. So let's. You, you, there have been droughts in sports that we have seen, especially amongst you know diehard sports fans in really great sports cities, mm-hmm. right? And I think of two. I think of the Boston Red Sox, and yeah. I think of the Chicago Cubs. And I I was thinking to myself, I wonder where this would fall, right? Not that we don't have. I mean, what ninety one was the last uh, playoff win? Yes. Okay. So we we've had we've been there, but we haven't been there. Wait, we haven't gotten over the hill.
9: No, but at the same time, uh, and I've pointed this out, we no matter how old you are, unless you're extremely young, you have seen the Tigers win a World Series. You have seen the Pistons win a world championship. Or
0: get to the World Series.
9: You have seen the Red Wings win a few Stanley Cups yeah. along the way. And those were some dynamic parties, some sure. bashes. Sure. When the Lions won a Super Bowl, That bash.
0: Like, does does that get, does that, does that trump Boston and, and, and Chicago? I think, I think by far, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. And those are also storied franchises, right? Well, because
9: you're talking about a franchise that has been uh, maligned for all the right reasons for a long, long time. Same old Lions, same old Lions, same old Lions. And now here we are. Uh, Quickly, let me just share some updates here as it applies to the Chiefs, the okay. defending Super Bowl champs, yep. um, they've got some things going on. Yeah, uh, First of all, we know that their all-pro defensive tackle, Chris Jones, uh, probably, I say probably, is not going to be on the scene. 65 sacks since he got into the league in 2016. Mm-hmm. That works out mathematically Crazy. just under 11 a season. Uh, he is saying now that if a deal were to be done today, that he would be able to play tomorrow night. Uh,
0: he ain't vintage, Chris Jones, I'll tell you that.
9: Uh, no, he is not, but he's still a formidable yeah, but, but, force.
0: If, if he gets a deal done and, what, suits up for the first time, he hasn't put cleats on? I mean, that's you're, you're going to knock off some rust.
9: I don't think Andy Reid, uh, the fine chiefs head coach, is uh, all that optimistic. Uh, you're talking about a guy who has one season left on a four-year deal he signed in 2020. Yep. Um, and for every regular he's already been fined millions. Mm-hmm. And for every regular season game he misses, that's an additional 1.7 mil. Uh, Another uh, bone of contention here for uh, Chiefs Kingdom, Uh, their all-pro tight end Travis Kelsey, according to reports we talked about it yesterday, Chris, hyperextended his knee. Uh, He had some testing done, and the Chiefs are convinced that the ACL is intact. However, his brother Jason, the fine center for the Philadelphia Eagles, said, yeah, there's swelling. Uh, Don't know how bad the bone is bruised. Um, but there's some things going on. So will Travis Kelsey play? If he does not, hypothetically. And Dan Campbell and the Lions are preparing like he will play. And as far as that goes, uh, like Chris Jones will play. That's what you do. Um, but if they're unable to, oh, dear.
0: All right, let, let uh, let's talk. Let, let's get kind of grim here for a second because tomorrow it's it's going to be all excitement.
9: You want to bring Ken let, Brown be, on?
0: Let's bring Kenny, Kenny Brown on, too. <laughs> what would be a disappointment of a season? Oh dear, I uh Like let's say let's say look, the hype train is is just chugging along the tracks. Let's say they win 9 games and don't win the division. Is that a failure of a season? Yes. Okay? Let's say they win 10 games and don't win the the division. Is that uh, a failure? Are they hosting like, is, a playoff game? Is the barometer winning this division? Yes. Yes. So anything shy of winning the division, which they haven't won in I don't know.
9: Forever.
0: Ninety three. Is the, the,
9: this this would be a failure? Well, because the path has been cleared. Mm-hmm. There is no, no Aaron Rodgers. Rogers. The Bears. Okay, are they a seven eight win team? Okay, um, the Vikings.
0: Kirk Cousins and I mean uh, the path is there. by the skin of their teeth all last year.
9: But at the same time, you have to perform.
3: Right, and and let's caveat that with the in- injury bug. Quarterback is hurt. Sure. All bets off.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. I I'm mean, just saying, if there's a catastrophic, there's a catastrophic injury, injury
3: but let's say
0: you, you sustain the normal wear and tear, in and your the NFL. quarterback regains
3: right. healthy, they got to win the division. Home okay. game at Ford Field should be the minimum this team should be striving for. I year. agree with
9: that. But I'll tell you what. With that being said about uh, the catastrophic injury situation, and obviously you're referring to Jared Goff, I, I do feel much better with Teddy Bridgewater yeah, sure. as the insurance policy. Yeah. Moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and as far as, you he's know. He's Geico, though, man. We he ain't Jared Goff, but... He's yeah. Geico. He's, you know, he's the insurance that you get. They you took know. 15 minutes yeah. and got a better <laughs> claim? Yeah, yeah you okay, got What are y'all most looking forward to uh, as far as the Lions go? In, Jameer Gibbs. The, uh, yeah.
0: Jameer Gibbs. And David Montgomery. and Dave, Yeah, but Jameer Gibbs is a different dude. He's just a. He is a. People are going to be very excited to I'm, watch him. I'm going to tell you
3: what. You guys have forgot about in the last month, but I guarantee you the. Sam LaPorta will be a big part of this game yes. tomorrow. No, I, I you're hope so. Right. I hope so. Started out with a big hype, but uh, watch for tomorrow.
0: All right, Mitch Alman, The Crew, coming up next. It's going to do it for me. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a good one.